Welcome to this episode of News of the Week. I am your host, Desmond Price. Thank you for those of you who are subscribed to the podcast and are here with us today. It's been a few days since we spoke. I've unfortunately been battling a pretty nasty uh, flu, cold, something to that effect. Haven't been this sick in a long time, so podcast got a little off track, unfortunately. But what can you do? Life is life and these things just happen. So unfortunately, talking to everyone about what happened in Uvalde is coming much later than I originally wanted it to. And by this point, there really isn't a whole lot that I can say that probably hasn't already been said. So instead of trying to parse every single detail and kind of dive into each and every uh, aspect of this story, I'm just going to take a slightly different approach than I originally was planning on when it comes to this story. I want to talk about where we go from here. So typically, you know, I would love to start with, you know, what we already know. We know about the shooter Ramos down in Uvalde, Texas, who went into that school and just tragically killed a bunch of young children. Uh, the, The conversation around that has gone in so many different directions about, you know, different types of gun laws, different types of red flag laws, as far as, you know, what the police response has been. And that's going to be a bulk of our subject here today. But it doesn't seem quite fair to try to recap everything that we quote unquote know that happened, because unfortunately, the one thing that I've become aware of since we've been following the story over the past week or so is that the story itself seems to keep changing. Uh, you know, and that was notable in several uh, different ways, especially with uh, the governor, Greg Abbott. He, you know, came out the, the day of the shooting, for instance, and touted the great work of the Uvalde Police Department, and then had to backtrack later on after figuring out that there wasn't great work done by the Uvalde Police Department. Uh, in fact, it wasn't even the Uvalde Police Department who ended up killing uh, Ramos at the end of all this, who, in fact, was the shooter. In fact, it was actually off-duty, off-duty Border Patrol agents who showed up at the scene who ended up originally being told to stand down by the Uvalde Police Department, but then ended up just breaching the school of their own accord. And they were the ones who ended up finally getting inside the room and killing the shooter but the inconsistencies in the storytelling really is part of a problem not just with this story but with so many stories involving police shootings 
I was watching a news clip recently talking about the inconsistencies in the stories, which kind of paralleled how I was feeling about it. So I want to play that clip for you really quickly right now. And that's just one. I can't even keep track of all the lies now in this story. But that one example of what the hell was happening with the school resource officer, we literally got four different versions of the story. First, the school resource officer was there on the scene. He was chasing. They exchanged gunfire. Then... He chased him into the building, but there was no gunfire. Then, well, he didn't chase him into the building, but he was there. And then finally we come to learn he wasn't even there at the school. I mean, that's just one example of the lies that we were told about this thing from the beginning. And so there's a little bit of a sense that they've realized they've screwed this thing up so badly that they can't do anything else but admit, yeah, maybe we should have gone in and not waited an hour. And by the way, they would have waited longer. Oh, yeah. The Border That's Patrol right. finally said, screw this. We're going in and we're taking this guy Thank God for out. those guys. Seriously. But yeah. because we've been lied to so much about this response, I certainly don't feel like even now we have the whole story. Not having the full story is part of the problem. I, even after to even after just as, as soon as today, there still seems to be new information breaking in this story right now. And so it's kind of hard to parse together, quote unquote, what has happened, because it still seems uncertain that we know exactly how this all transpired. And so as time goes on, I'm going to be keeping an eye on it myself. I'm going to try to provide some updates on social media, probably on Instagram, where I do spend the most of my time. But this really isn't a story that is completely foreign in the sense of the police not being transparent, you know, just giving information. For those of you who follow me on Instagram, you'll note that I posted something recently about police down in El Paso, Texas, who had claimed that, you know, just recently a woman uh, was able to get her uh, DWI uh, charge uh, revoked after it was found out that she never had one in the first place. And this all came at the same time where two police officers, you know, allegedly just like beat the hell out of her. And there's there's pictures, you know, on this. The local CBS affiliate in El Paso uh, reported on this story. I have um, a post about this on my Instagram page. I definitely recommend that people go check that out. There's also, for those of you who remember, when it came down to George Floyd and back in May of 2020, his original report read very differently than the video that we all ended up seeing come to light not too long after that. So there's countless different uh, types of stories like that, for instance. But the point I'm trying to drive home here is, is that this is not the first time that we have dealt with a story where the police seem to have multiple different stories about what happened during an incident. And the common through line is that normally when we see these things, it's because they're trying to cover their ass. And so the question for me that I'm asking myself as we go forward with this story is how much more don't we know? One of the things we have found out recently is that there were 19, 19 officers in the hallway while that shooter was in that classroom and there were children on the ground bleeding to death. There was 19 officers standing in the hallway not going into that classroom. They waited over an hour and 20 minutes before someone entered that classroom. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't even the Uvalde Police Department. It was off-duty 
border patrol agents. We have heard in the last couple of days, you know, some members of the Uvalde Police Department did in fact go on to programs like CNN and basically just outright admit that they were afraid of being shot. To which you gotta be fucking kidding me. I, I, I let, let me let me just say this. I can understand how no human being wants to sign up to be shot. Like that, that makes perfect logical sense. But honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, if that is one of your fears, then don't become a police officer. You would have to assume that people who are firefighters shouldn't be afraid to be burned. You know, people who are doctors shouldn't be afraid of blood. You know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's part of the goddamn territory. Like, of course, no one wants to be shot, but like when you sign up to be a police officer, like if your job isn't to protect people, then I don't understand why you exist. I just personally, I, I do not like that. You, you cannot make that make sense to me. And, and so, and this already goes on to the fact that, you know, they were trying to spin this a little bit and saying like, well, you know, we thought it was a barricaded suspect. So, you know, that's why we weren't entering, which if you happen to run into this explanation over the course of, you know, seeing things on social media or listening to people talk on TV, I'll try to give you as brief of an understanding about this as I personally have, which is a barricaded suspect means that, you know, obviously someone has barricaded themselves into an enclosed area. But the caveat is, is that the term barricaded suspect implies that a crime is not being committed or that there is no active danger as far as like uh, gunfire is concerned, which that goes out the goddamn window when one, you hear gunshots inside the classroom and two, there were children inside the classroom who were making 911 calls pleading for their lives. So you had all of this and these police officers still didn't go in. So the whole idea of the barricaded suspect scenario, which really just goes out the goddamn window as you hear more about this case. On top of that fact that, you know, some people are like, oh, well, they need to be better trained. And, and that's just not true either. Uvalde Police Department just recently, within the last few months, had done several, and I mean several, active shooter training. So like, they were specifically trained for these things. And this was still the outcome. Now, the Texas Department of Safety is currently investigating what happened. We're not really sure what's going to come of this, but we did find out just as of yesterday that Uvalde's police department is apparently no longer cooperating with the Texas Department of Safety's investigation. This was after, apparently on Friday, when they made a public statement saying that mistakes were made. And, and so... I'm not sure what really happens next. Unfortunately, we live in a country where back in 2005, the Supreme Court, and tell me that this doesn't just drive you fucking crazy. Um, I, would, I would apologize for all the cursing today, but I, I really just don't give a shit right now. Uh, the Supreme Court back in 2005 said that the police do not have a constitutional duty to protect anyone. Like we need a moment to let that sink in. They don't have a duty to protect anyone. I, I'm not sure what exactly the, the process is 
for finding a way to overturn a Supreme Court ruling, but we need to figure out how exactly that needs to happen, whether it's pressuring a new Supreme Court to overrule that, or if there's something on the legislative level that can be done or the executive level, but there is no common sense through line that honestly makes that hold water in my mind. If the police aren't obligated to protect people, then why do we why do we have this social contract with them, granting them so much power, granting them so much goddamn immunity? And that's another part of this. Is like there there seems to be like no there there seems to be no justice for these parents. You know the police. You know essentially that you know they have no constitutional duty to protect people. They also are protected by qualified immunity, which I've done a whole episode on how egregious qualified immunity is and how we need to get rid of that nationwide. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with that, uh, please check on my episode from April of last year uh, about why qualified immunity needs to end. And I fully stand behind the fact that it needs to end. But it's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't really know what recourse these parents have. They can't sue the police. The police, I mean, are probably not going to be in any legal trouble. They can't be brought up in any actual charges, it seems as though. The only real thing is that hopefully they'll be fired, but there's no guarantee of that even happening. The It seems as though the Justice Department, the Federal Justice Department, is somewhat looking into this, but they've been also kind of lukewarm on this. It seems like Biden's administration is so worried about being labeled anti-police that they've been taking a hands-off approach with this. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens next. It, honestly, it, it's it's sickening to me that that sentence just came out of my mouth. We'll see what happens next because there's so many different common sense things that should happen next. But unfortunately, we live in a system that so utterly insulates police from anything it, resembling you know, accountability that we've all been essentially just like brainwashed into believing that it should be this way. And, and I don't, I, I personally can't stomach it. I can't stomach the fact that they have this much power and they have basically complete immunity from anything that could possibly go wrong. I, I it just, it's absolutely baffling to me. The president is heading to Congress this week to try to see if certain gun control measures can't be addressed uh, he says he's going to try to reach out to what he calls, quote unquote, rational Republicans. That's hilarious. Uh, but gun control, if we're just being honest here, you know, the thing that people usually talk about are things like universal background checks. There's no part of me that's against universal background checks. But if we're going to be honest, universal background checks would not have stopped this shooting because that guy, um, Ramos, he passed a background check to get to get that gun that he had. So in that, in this particular case, background checks wouldn't have stopped this shooting. You want to talk about an assault rifle ban or assault weapon ban? Um, sure. I mean, we, we've done that before. It, we, it was in effect for 10 years, 1994 to 2004. Uh, mass shootings went down by 43% during that 10 year period. So did it stop all mass shootings? No. Did it reduce them by almost half? I mean, it, it's it, it's definitely something that we should look into. I, I unfortunately, I'm not sure if we would ever get anything done on that level again because of things that I keep talking about in 
you know, during the season so far with the filibuster being intact, you need 60 votes. I just cannot imagine finding 10 Republican senators who would want to vote for an assault weapons ban. I just, I just don't see it. And the Democrats are unwilling to abolish the filibuster. So as far as I'm concerned, everything that they claim to care about apparently comes second to keeping the filibuster intact. So, you know, I, you got me as far as what they claim to actually care about. So, uh, but maybe some background checks can go through. And that seems like just such a meek and like meager compromise, you know, like children are dead and they still can't find a way to get background checks done. Like it's pathetic. And I'm tired of, as someone who votes for Democrats, I'm tired of them finding ways to blame everything on Republicans, like their hands are clean in all of this. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. Meanwhile, our country, our neighbor to the North, Canada, is now banning handguns. Uh, well, not, I shouldn't say permanently. They are putting a freeze on all handgun sales in their country. And I'm sure that there are some people who might find that to be an attractive policy here in America, but from what I'm seeing, um, an all-out ban on all guns is apparently less popular now than it has ever been as far as we've been taking polling on that particular question. And if you really want to talk about what needs to be done in order to prevent mass shootings from ever happening, that's really it. You'd have to get rid of all guns. And I can't even imagine the day that Americans would give up guns because even I can't even imagine the day there were all Democratic voters would give up guns and you're not getting the Republicans to give up on, on an inch. I just it, it's it's a really sad state that we are currently finding ourselves in. I'm I would love to sit here and tell everyone what the answer is, but I truly don't know what it is myself. It, it's it's a very bleak situation where we find ourselves in this country with gun violence. Uh, people who are on the right love to talk about how it's just a mental health issue, and yet at the same time they also you know pair that with providing zero new funding for mental health. So they want to focus only on mental health, but then still not even address that. So. It, it's an absolute clown show. Uh, hopefully the next time that we all speak, I will have a better frame of mind for what our solutions are going forward. But just know that, you know, in this particular case, it might take a groundswell of anger from all of us in order to get these jackals to do anything as far as passing legislation is concerned. Because right now, apparently, even after several mass shootings all within the last couple of weeks, they still can't even get off their ass and do the basic things that it would take to protect us and to bring a more safe society. We'll be right back after this break. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. 
Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode, Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of News of the Week. As I've been trying to do with these News of the Week segments, I, in, I'm i not sure how long this ultimately will be able to continue because, um, well, the news cycle is just kind of hard to predict. But I'm trying to pair something happening here in America with something happening abroad. And something came across my eye uh, about a week or so ago. It, it is a story that I've covered before, but we have to talk about it again. As far as I'm concerned, I will keep talking about it forever because of all of the subjects that I have ever covered on this podcast, this is the number one thing that has made my stomach turn more than anything. It is the number one story that has made me truly upset, horrified, and it's I have mentioned to those who've been listening to me for a while now, I've mentioned that this is the story that has felt the most important for me to cover, period. And that is what is happening to the Uyghurs in Northwest China in an area called uh, Zhenyang. I, I believe that's the pronunciation. Last week, there were new uh, materials that were shown about what's going on in Zhenyang right now. Uh, human rights organization leaked thousands of documents and pictures. Uh, this was on Tuesday of last week about the internment camps that are happening in the Chinese province of Zhengyang, where authorities are holding at least, at least 1 million members of the ethnic Uyghur minority in prison-like facilities uh, for supposed quote-unquote educational purposes. Now, overall, the these police files that were leaked, you know, show um, 2,800 pictures of detainees, more than 300,000 personal records, and upwards of 10 camp police instructions. It is thought that there might be actually more than 2 million Uyghurs um, who are being held in these facilities right now, which is actually a higher estimate than when I first did this episode about a year ago. So for those of you who are not familiar, I'm going to do a really quick just 
brief rundown of what's been happening in Zhang Young. Um, if you will like a deeper dive into what's happening, I did a two parts episode, which I will break down a little bit at the end here and tell you where you can go find that information. I highly recommend you go look more into this. This story is something that needs to be known by everyone around the world. That is how I feel about this. It is mind boggling to me what is happening in Northwest China right now. The Uyghur population, which is an ethnic Muslim population who has inhabited this area of China for over a thousand years, they are currently being detained in large numbers in what can only be described as a concentration camp, several concentration camps. And now in the past, when I talked about this I had some people give me some pushback on using the word concentration camp or the phrase concentration camp. But by definition stake, what these people are experiencing is a concentration camp. It is a place where a large number of people or members of a persecuted minority group are deliberately imprisoned, sometimes to provide forced labor. And by forced labor, what we're talking about is slavery. Like just, just point blank period. And for more details about that specifically, uh, again, I will just say, please go check out my old episodes. They're called China's Concentration Camps, parts one and two. Uh, the China's, China's government has been ruthless to these people. I'm going to give you a few of the facts here, but we're not going to spend a whole other episode on it uh, today because I'm trying to keep this one a little bit short. But let me just give you a little bit of background on what these people are experiencing in Northwest China. First of all, the Chinese government has been, you know, reported saying on numerous occasions that they think that Islam is a mental illness and that Muslims are a cancer of their country. China is a very secular nation. They do not like organized religions of any kind, but they have a particular disdain for Islam. Back in 2014, their current president, Xi Jinping, enacted something called the Strike Hard Against Violent Terrorism Act. Now, this was basically a way to turn this area of China into a police state, not like the police state that the Republicans claim is currently happening in places, you know, around the around the country, like in California, but like a legitimate police state, like the ones that you would probably think of in a dystopian science fiction novel, where surveillance cameras are in front of every single home in the entire province, where people are tracked by facial recognition surveillance cameras everywhere in this province, so that the Chinese Communist Party can always know what is going on as far as the Uyghurs are concerned. They also are forced to download apps onto their phones so that the Chinese Communist Party can track all of their online traffic and know exactly what it is they're doing, who they're talking to, who's coming and going, any plans they might have. These people are also banned from most mosques, but the ones that are still up and available have been completely like plastered on the inside of them with pictures of Xi Jinping so that whenever they go in there to, to pray, to worship, to be amongst their community, 
They're constantly reminded of Xi Jinping. And that is for the mosques that are still standing because some of them are not standing anymore because they've been bulldozing them. They have been tearing down these mosques, these places of worship. Uh, some of these mosques have been standing for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. One in particular was standing for over 800 years. They bulldozed it to the ground. The Arabic language is banned from schools in Zhengyang. Not only that, it is illegal to speak Arabic in public in these places. And not only that, as if that wasn't bad enough, parents are banned from naming their children anything that sounds too quote unquote Islamic. And this is all paired with members of the Chinese Communist Party constantly coming in to check up on the Uyghurs all the time to making sure they're not doing anything they shouldn't be doing. And they have their list of about 75 different quote unquote target behaviors that they need to look out for. And if you have too many of these target behaviors, that is enough of a pretense for them to take you into one of these camps. On top of that fact, some of the old graveyards for Uyghurs in the areas have been bulldozed, dug up, bulldozed, and replaced with parks, like fun theme parks that they're supposed to go to now. It's And this is just what people are dealing with in their lives, like before they even get to the concentration camps. When they actually get to the camps, it, it, it's a whole nother story. These people are beaten, they are being tortured, women are being forcibly sterilized. Some of them ha have talked about being raped. Men are sent into fields to pick cotton. And, and I gotta tell you, as a black man, hearing about people being forcibly thrown into camps and forced to pick cotton was more than triggering in, in every sense of that word. There are so many more details of this story. I, I've just given you all just a few cliff notes about what's going on over there right now. They, this, these people are experiencing like a cultural erasure on top of being sent into camps for slavery. And I, I cannot even fathom how this story still isn't more widely known. We, we will come back to the story again in the future because China is imprisoning people in their Northwest province and not enough people are talking about it. We need more people talking about it. We, mean, we need more people to share this story so that more people know what's happening right now. There, there are some people in this country who have this idea that apparently only America has this monopoly on being truly like fucked up in one way, shape or form. And there are even some who are so, so leftist, so, so uh, rooted in the ideas of socialism or communism that they somehow believe that China is this really great nation uh, because they embody those ideals in some sense. And I just think that that line of thinking is completely just dumb. It's, it's more than dumb. It's just, it's, it's beyond naive. It, it's just, it, it's kind of da it's dangerous in a way. China in, in so many different ways is a complete like dictator, like authoritarian dictatorship who absolutely crushes any dissent, crushes any dissent. 
people go disappearing in that country all the time. Uh, their human rights violations that happen in that nation are absolutely just just wild. And we honestly need more people in this country talking about it. Uh, so I'm going to keep talking about this story again in the future. And I hope that some more people will join me. I want to thank everyone for checking out this episode of News of the Week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, tag Independent Thought. We will see you for another episode of Independent Thought in the very soon future. So make sure that you, if you are not already, uh, please subscribe. And if you are interested in supporting Independent Thought, there is a link to our Patreon down in the episode description. Uh, please consider joining that if you would like to support the show. Thank you so much, everyone. We will see you in the next episode.